the guys from Ping, they've kind of shown me how much the equipment matters. I just love that I can hit any shot I kind of want. We're going to be able to tell some fun stories about what goes on here to help golfers play better golf. Welcome back to the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. Shane Bacon, Marty Jertson. We're in the Ping truck. Always excited to be back. And we're with a man that, uh, that does a lot, a lot of work um, week to week. Shay Knight's with us, of course, the caddy for Victor Hovland. Uh, Shay, recently you were a part of, of one of the great final rounds, one of the great final nine holes that we've ever seen when Victor tore apart Olympia Fields. Uh, is that the best golf you've ever seen? Is that the best golf you've ever been a part of? It was like playing a video game. It was unbelievable. Um, to be a first-hand witness of that, you know, standing by the bag and just experiencing, you know, what he went through and, you know, the shots that he hit was remarkable. I think whenever there's like a round like that, obviously Victor hit tons of incredible shots, very, very straight, but you also have to get lucky a little bit. Mm. So what were a few things there in that final round around that back nine where, you know, maybe the luck went his way? Well, definitely 14, you know, with that lie that he had, chipped the driver off the tee and just missed it in the left rough and you know the grain was going with us but you know there's a tuft of grass behind the ball and you know nine iron couldn't get there he had to hit the eight iron but it had to come out perfectly and you know obviously it did and you know knocked it to a foot make birdie from there was yeah incredible Shay, what's that what's that conversation like between you and victor on that live because i remember watching on tv and they had you guys mic'd up at memorial was in the playoff. In the playoff, uh, in yeah. In the playoff, and the tee shot ended up right there on the edge of the rough in the fairway too. What is that? How? What is your contribution in talking through uh, the shot selection there with Victor? You know, more you know, just giving him reassurance. You know, especially at Memorial when obviously long's no good, but you know to hit the wedge the way he did. You know, we thought it was going to come out hot, and it kind of did. It needed to to, to get out, cover that bunker. But yesterday, on 14, we knew 9-9 couldn't get there, and we knew that there was a false front and was going to come all the way back down. So he had to take the shot on, and he, and he did, being the aggressive player that he is. And, you know, obviously he pulled it off. Yeah. <laughs> Shay, what has the last year been like in terms of the development of Victor Hovland? Because you kind of go back to the Open last year. Of course, he was in the final group with Rory on Sunday. Think about the PGA Championship this year, but I mean, he's on a run. He's not missing cuts. He's playing very consistent golf. The pitching and chipping has improved a lot. It feels like the complete game is there, but what has it been like mentally for him over the last year to kind of take this next step? Yeah, and that's the hardest part because, you know, when you start playing better, your expectations get higher, so you put more pressure on yourself. And, you know, it's trying to manage that, um, try to, uh, you know, have a slice of reality, so to speak, in terms of, you know, not being able to play perfect golf and accepting that and understanding that, you know, golf's a four-letter word for a reason. <laughs> so, you know, for him to go out and, you know, the consistency that he's shown, you know, week in, week out this year has been, you know, it's been spectacular. Going back to St. Andrews, and then you think about Oak Hill, and, I mean, he played excellent golf at Oak Hill really until the bunker shot. Was that on 16? 16. So... What was Victor like going to the final round at St. Andrews? Because, I mean, he, he hit it close on one. He missed a short birdie putt and didn't really factor in that Sunday versus going to that PGA Championship, playing alongside another heavy hitter on that Sunday. What was Victor like at the PGA this year versus maybe the Open last year? It's funny because whenever Victor gets off to a good start, you know, he always takes that momentum forward. Whereas when he gets off to a shaky start, he misses a couple of putts early. That's when... You know, you're thinking, you know, is it is he going to change the momentum or is it going to continue the same? And, you know, that was the difference between the, the Open and, and the PGA because, you know, the Open, as you said, he, he missed a couple of short putts early and 
PGA he made a couple of short putts early and he took the momentum moving forward. Yeah, it seems like uh, I just it's so fun to watch Victor making a lot of birdies on tough golf courses against the strongest fields. I mean, I, uh, tell us a little bit about it. I think at Augusta this year he made five birdies in a row. Uh, what, what are those stretches like? Like, what do you, are you guys talking more, talking less? Is he just in the zone? Uh, what's it like when he's on a heater? Like he's like, like he was a few weeks ago in Augusta. As we, as we all know, like, you know, he's an unbelievable ball striker. He, he drives the ball extremely well and his irons when it's on, you know, he hits fades. So he has full control over the ball, knowing that the ball is going to go left to right. And that's why he can be so aggressive. So, you know, if he can control his distance, and especially around Augusta, you know, that's extremely important around there um, to be able to do that. So, you know, that's the most important thing for him. And, you know, when he's on, he's just got no fear. He's yeah. just such an aggressive player. Shay, how did you get introduced to Victor? And going through your career and kind of looking along some of the players that you've kind of teamed up with over the years, what is it like taking maybe a flyer on a young player, even though he's a, obviously was a great young player and had come off that USAM win? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I was working for Sean O'Hare, you know, it was four and a half years ago now, and he, he got injured. And, you know, I was pretty much looking for work, being a little freelancer, you know, caddying for odds and ends here. When you're looking for work as a caddy, <laughs> I mean, is it, are you kind of letting other caddies know, like, hey, I'm available. Like, I'm I'm, I'm golf tender if anybody wants to swipe. <laughs> I wish it was like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a fraternity out here. It really is. Everyone knows, you know, who's looking, who's, you know, who got fired, who, you know, who's, what, whatever it is. Whose player's injured, right? Exactly. So, um, Joe Scovran, who's a good friend of mine, he worked for Ricky Fowler for a long time. Sam McNaughton, who is Ricky's agent um, and is obviously Victor's agent as well. So, you know, that's how the, the team came along. And, yeah, I, Sam called me up and asked if I'd be interested in, in trying it out for this, with this young kid. You know, obviously he won the U.S. Amateur. And so I flew out to Stillwater. You know, I wanted to introduce myself beforehand because we met in Mexico a couple of years prior where I just, you know, because he was going to Australia for the Australian Open and I'm obviously from Australia and he was playing in Sydney. So we we're just talking about that. But that, that was the first time that I actually spoke to him. And, um, yeah, so I flew to Stillwater, had breakfast with him and just to hang out and make sure, you know, there was a bond there, you know, cause you pretty much know straight away whether you're going to get on or not. And yeah, just went from there. And, you know, obviously we started the travelers and yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. It's been an unbelievable ride the last four years. Yeah. Victor's game is evolved. Obviously, he came out as a superstar. His ball striking, even when he played in the U.S. Open as an as an amateur, like 2019, 2019 Pebble, yep. at Pebble, he either led the field, was very close to leading the field in strokes gained. Mm. Uh, ball striking. What what has it been like seeing other parts of his game? You mentioned his short game evolve in these in these four years. Which parts of his game has have been fun for you to watch, kind of improve? Yeah, it's, it's been a, an interesting ride because, you know, he's obviously a cutter of the golf ball, um, you know, with the way he, his wrist angles, etc. Mm -hmm. he, he cuts the ball. And, you know, he went down a stage where he tried to um, hit the draws, uh, try and get the numbers more closer to zero from a track man perspective. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's difficult for him to do. So we went down that road and... Now he's back to hitting the cuts and back to knowing where the ball is going to go. And, you know, like you said, with the chipping and pitching, you know, Joe Mayo has done an amazing job helping him with that to, 
to make him more of a complete player, which is where he's at now. Yeah. When you talk about being a cutter of the golf ball, which is a lot of the modern players, a lot of the players obviously move the ball left to right. You get on the tee at, at 13 at Augusta. What are you saying to Victor when you know the ball's got to go the other way, maybe an uncomfortable direction for him? Well, it's actually a lot easier now because, you know, they... Right, with a new the, tee. The tee box is probably <laughs> well, 30 let, meters let's, long. Let's say the up tee. Let's say last year's tee at the Masters. What are you saying to Victor when you know that ball's got to go the way he doesn't like to see it go? Well, it's three wood all day. Okay. Yeah, so it's not driver because um, driver is so narrow. It brings the, the right pines into play, and, you know, we know... Uh, very well what it's yes. like over there unless you feel Mickelson of right. course but Phil or uh, Jordan don't yeah, hit exactly right. but uh, no it's just you know he tends to hit that three wood a lot straighter um, especially when the wind's out of the left that's why he finds it difficult with the driver when the wind's out of the left so it's m most of the time it's three wood off the tee and just get it in play and yeah go from there Shay what's been uh What's been one of maybe your biggest regrets as a caddy, right? Ooh, nice. Maybe even with Victor or or any of your players, and a regret could be maybe uh, you know advising on the you know the the distance, the wind, reading the lie wrong, some of that nature. Is Dude, anything which, come uh, which, What's the worst time you, you, you've done your job? What's like the worst part? <laughs> you, the worst job you ever done as a caddy? <laughs> I remember uh, this is one. this is this is way back, but I remember cutting <laughs> uh, for Sean O'Hare, and he was um, we're at the Scarlet Golf Course in Ohio, and we're playing the the Web Finals, and he's playing extremely well. He's in the third round, I think he's coming fifth, and he missed the first two cuts to two weeks prior, so he's got to play well this week to to get his job back on the PGA Tour, and. Um, we get up on number ten, eleven. We get up on number twelve, the par five. You know, makes birdie. Run to 13, he's teeing off first, running up, getting the yardage, give him the yardage, you know, hits six iron, flushes it, posing on it, straight over the green. And he looks at me, and <laughs> straight away, I look back, and they move the, oh, the, the no. tee. And I'm like, I look back, and I'm like, I just put my head down, I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. And him, to his credit, he's an unbelievable guy, and I'm walking down the down the the hill and i was just so upset with myself like i just unimaginable and he gets up there and he gets his wedge he taps me on the back of the leg he goes shay i got you hits an unbelievable flop shot to like three feet holds the part for par wow and i'm like sean thank you that was <laughs> that was the one moment where I wish I could take back, but obviously. Oh, that's an incredible yeah. story. Um, Shay, what's your journey been like to get to this position? Can you walk us through maybe your career as a caddy and, and really your career throughout golf? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I play golf my whole life. You know, I love the game. Um, played a lot of golf back in Australia, a lot of amateur events, never turned professional. Never really was good enough. I wasn't long enough. Had an unbelievable short game, but, you know, just knew in my heart that I didn't have it. And, um, you know, I lived in Sydney and, I played with Matt Jones. We were members of the same golf course, the Australian Golf Club in Sydney. And, uh, you know, we we're good friends. We always played golf together, traveled together. We drove to Adelaide and back, which was, that was an interesting drive. <laughs> that car stunk by the, by the end of the trip. <laughs> the air conditioner works. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Driving through Adelaide. But, yeah, no. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he went to ASU and, yep. and uh, then... Went on the, he was on the corner, well, the, what was it called back in the day? Probably web.com, whatever it was. And he just couldn't get his card. And he said, Shale, you know, I want you to come over and caddy for me. And I was landscaping, landscaping back home and, you know, finished my course. And I love being outside. So, you know, I was doing that. And I'm like, okay, I'll take a chance. So came over, 
live together, travel together, work together. You know, we were in each other's pockets. And by the end of it, it was like I wanted to kill him, but he got his <laughs> he got his tour card and he and I went back home and didn't think anything of it. And he's like, Shay, I want you to come back. And I'm like, Well, I'm I'll come back, but you're gonna do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing, we're gonna meet in the middle like normal player caddy relationship does. <laughs> and yeah, worked with him for five and a half years, had a great time and you know, I moved on from there, worked for Martin Laird. Scottish guy, uh, worked with him for a couple of years. And the only the only Scottish golfer that hits it higher than anybody on tour, by the way. Yes, it's incredible yes. to watch the yes. apex of his iron. And, subject. Don't and, you knock it down and cuts it more than and anyone. Cut, yes, exactly. Yeah, he cuts it more than Victor for Was sure. Was that shocking to see? Oh the first my time? god! Like, I thought Scottish golfers hit it low. Yeah, no, it's it launches straight at the <laughs> end. Right. Those big cuts, like he he uses the whole fairway. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, worked for him for two years and then. Uh, I got fired from him, and Sean O'Hare was available. Worked with Sean for five years, and yeah, now I'm with Victor. So it's been an unbelievable ride. It's gone so fast. I, I still can't believe I've been on tour for 16 years. I just can't believe. Although the greys probably uh, yeah, show that. Up here too. I shaved yesterday, but it I was going to well. shave last night, but uh, I, I said to Victor, I'm like, it's it's a good luck charm. I I can't do it. When 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 Victor wins. You know, he does all the press, he does all the media, he has two interviews. I mean, people don't understand how long that evening is if you win a big golf tournament. Do you guys meet up at any point on on the back end of that? Like, go have a beer or go hang out or do anything like yeah, that? Yeah, like when he won, um, you know, the BMW, uh, we were there and we were just waiting for him. He obviously did, you know, all his media and he had to sign what felt like a hundred flags, <laughs> etc. So I'm sure his hand was sore after that. But, you know, what the way they treated us... Um, at the BMW was just first class. We had BMW courtesy cars. <laughs> we had food available at our disposal. It was like beyond uh, first class. So yeah, after the round, the the gentleman who was serving us all week said, you know, can we get you any food? And I'm like, well, you know, a nice steak would be nice. So he brought out three steaks, salad, waiting for Hobby to come back. And, you know, so we all ate together and then He's like, oh, do you want some dessert? And I'm like, ah, no, 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 I'm good. And they're going to make this Guinness. It's a Guinness with ice cream in it. I'm like, that sounds disgusting. But anyway, so we said no to that. So the chef ended up bringing out this brownie, homemade brownie with this chocolate ice cream cherry in it. And I'm like, it was just like oh. I had a couple of scoops. But yeah, the, the ice cream doesn't usually uh, handle the stomach too well. So I only had a couple of bites. But uh, yeah, it was great. That sounds incredible. Yeah, Shay, what's your uh, what's your favorite course to caddy at throughout the year? Like, or or, or top two or three? By far, three. Pebble Beach. Okay, yeah, I, I love Pebble. Even though it's you know we usually play with amateurs and yeah. it's usually miserable weather, but just the <laughs> just the view out there, I, I love that scenery. You know, when yeah. you get on seven, eight, nine, it's just you know you stand there and you amateurs are letting it fly left and right. I'm just looking out <laughs> of the ocean, you know. Maui, Maui's nice as well. That's another one. And obviously yeah. Augusta. But Augusta is, it's like a love-hate relationship because it's so stressful because, you know, everyone wants to win Augusta. Yeah. And you go there, it's like the holy grail of golf. It's in immaculate condition. And, you know, walking on those on those fields is like, you know, been in heaven, to be yeah. honest with you. I'd like yeah. my ashes to be on uh, Amen Corner when I die. Watch watch the carnage come in. But <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, it, those three courses would probably be my, my three. 
what's it like obviously we're in the ping tour truck what's it like having something like this available week to week for you when you need to come tweak something for victor or he wants a new club we've talked a lot this year about the seven wood he threw in the bag at, at the masters talking about augusta national that was really for two shots the entire day so really what was that eight shots for the week he's basically putting a new golf club in what's it like having this truck available at your disposal yeah well that don't really do much here so no money checking <laughs> <laughs> especially kenton no money checking no it's, it's obviously amazing um to have that at victor's disposal whenever you need it you know whatever it is whether you need tees or i need a new hat because right. you you sweat through it it's just yeah it's once again first class what's he particular about because we've talked to a few players about you know they they want to see the loft they want to see the bin they want to make sure everything's regripped week to week what's something that victor's particular about either within his bag or in his bag um he's not very particular with grips etc but you know just trying to dial in those numbers you know because you need to be so precise with your, your distance control you know on the pga tour because you just can't play from long so you you guys victor plays in meters Tell us how that works out here. Is it is he one of the only players that does that? Do they make a separate book? Do you, do you get a separate book or do you do conversions? No, no. Well, it's funny because, you know, when we were on the Corn Ferry, we had just yardage books, uh, those finals. And yeah. I had to convert both books from yards to meters. But now I'm uh, lucky enough <laughs> where PJ Tour. Oh, my gosh. It's like two hours of torture. Your hands unbelievably <laughs> sore by the end of it. But no, nowadays it's uh, on the PJ Tour. Yeah, they do meters books. There's probably half a dozen guys that work in meters as well. I worked in meters when I was younger. You know, I always played in meters. So, you know, it's easier for me to yeah. get my head around it. Whereas, you know, working in yards was a little bit more difficult for me. So, yeah, it's been a great transition for me. Shay, we watch Victor week to week on the tour and fans of his see this happy-go-lucky young kid that's always smiling and he always looks like he's just in a good mood. What's something about Victor, either within the ropes or outside of the ropes, that maybe we don't know about him or maybe fuels him or there's that fire inside of him that we don't see kind of through the Victor smile? Well, I, I think you see it, you know, with his bulldog mentality. Like, you know, for him to go out yesterday and do what he did, you know, you need to have that fire in the belly to, you know, shoot that score and have no fear. And, you know, for him to do that, you know, not every player can do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes him the champion that he is. We, we talked about the seven wood at Augusta National. You're looping. You've got your bag set. You know what clubs go distance wise, whatever. When Victor comes to you and goes, hey, I'm putting this club in for two shots a day. <laughs> What does that do to your calculations or what you're putting down in your notes knowing, okay, so we're going to hit this on 13 and 15 and that's kind of it. Well, that's especially 15 because it's, if you're just a little bit off, whether it's short or long, you are, you're screwed. You got nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. So it's very tough to, to pull the club, but you know, that's what we do. So, you know, you live and die by the sword and you know, it is what it is. You accept it and move on. How best do you disagree with them on the golf course? How do you go about a disagreement when maybe you either don't think it's the club, you don't think it's the shot, you don't think it's going to come out of that lie? How do you approach that without sounding negative? Ultimately, it's his decision. So, you know, I'm going to give my opinion and I'm going to try to convince him that it's my what I think. But at the end of the day, it's his decision. You know, sometimes he listens, sometimes he doesn't. And, you know, that's that's why he's got his name on the bag and that's why he's, you know, top five player in the world. So, you know, there's times when, like, perfect example was BMW when we're there on number three and, you know, he's got nine iron out, he's got 143 metres and the wind's hurting out of the left. 
and I'm always thinking where the wind is, what it's doing, and you know it's meant to be heard now the left, but I feel it straight out of the left, so I pull him off the shot. I'm like, Harvey, it's too much club, and once again, like you know, he can take it or leave it, but in this situation, he took the advice, went back to a wedge, and he was pinned high, made birdie. So, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. It it just all depends on uh, what he's thinking at the time, I suppose. Shay, how do you uh, how do you judge the wind? Do you do you uh, take notes uh, based on the forecast and then adjust when you're out on the course, or what what are, what indicators are you using uh, to judge the wind? Surface wind? Are you looking at trees? Are you looking at flags? What is that process? That's like? a really good question because you know obviously the wind can change all the time, and I always hate to see light and variable because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd rather be blowing 10 to 15 out of the, you know, whatever direction. Because, yeah. you know, to start with, you, you're looking at weather maps and you're trying to work out, you know, say it's coming out of the northeast. It says northeast all day. But then you look on, the, the tour's got their um, hourly forecast and sometimes it says light and variable. And you're like, oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> you know, when you see light and variable, you, you know that it's all over the shop. And, you know, I'm constantly paying attention to the trees, um, paying attention to the clouds, you know, even though that's extremely high, but, you know, a lot of times I'm paying attention to the trees and, you know, more feeling it, you know, with the, you know, when you're out on the ground, you know, if it's turning out of the left and you kind of feel it coming off your, more off your left, then, um, yeah, your intuition kind of pays off. What hole, what holes have had, uh, traditionally like maybe some confusing or very challenging wind is, is 12 at Augusta oh one gosh. where that, yes, yes, yes. You're feeling it one way off the team, <laughs> 12, and it's 13, up there. 15, 16, yeah. like okay. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah. six, take like, your pick. Yeah. That, that's the hardest thing about Augusta. You know, people don't understand that, you know, with those trees, the pine trees, the wind always swells through the trees. Yeah. And you can get up there and you can be playing straight down on 11 and then you get on the tee on 12 and you feel like it's hurting out of the right. But be, what it does is it goes through the pines and comes back and it's just so difficult. But, you know, you just got to commit to the shot and hopefully it, it pays off. Uh, Shay, what's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday like for you week to week on tour? What are you doing Monday? What are you doing Tuesday? Obviously, Wednesday, a lot of the weeks are pro-am days. But what is your process like maybe those first couple of days week to week? Um, usually Monday's always just walking the golf course by yourself. Yes. Yep. I, I love to walk the golf course by myself, just doing it on my own. If I'm walking with a couple of caddies then I'll do that as well. But, you know, I love getting my prep work in. Um, I pride myself on, you know, being really diligent with all the information that I need for Victor, uh, whenever he needs it. Tuesdays is usually nine holes. Um, Javi gets out here, you know, around, I don't know, 11 ish. He's a he's not an early bird, and uh, which is great for me because I can come out and you know if I need anything else out on the golf course I can do it. And then Wednesday's usually a pro am, although you know in Atlanta uh, there's no pro am, which is which is nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's usually just prep work and you know just dial in the numbers and hopefully you know he's ready to go on Thursday. What's uh, what's bag weight of Victor's bag right now? Ooh. I mean, too much, too little? Like where are we at? That, that fluctuates. Okay. Yeah, it depends on, on the conditions. Like, you know, the British Open, when we had everything <laughs> under the sun, we've, we've always got a lot of food in there. Um, but, yeah. It's light and, vari light and variable. Br British Open was like 60 pounds, whereas, <laughs> you know, 
sometimes it's 45 pounds so yeah. who who is the heaviest bag on tour is there somebody that's bag stands out as the heaviest by far when Bryson DeChambeau was on tour, yeah, yeah he was probably... Makes the most sense. Yeah. Well, his grips was, weigh 130 grams each. <laughs> times 14. The grips are heavy. <laughs> the gear is heavy. Do the math. The snacks are heavy. Uh, uh, yeah, what what no. snacks are we working with? And also, I, I don't think people totally always understand this. I mean, you have snacks in there too. you got to carry a bag for five hours. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I don't have as many snacks in there for me. They're usually in there for him. Yep. Um, I'm usually... You know, have a couple of snacks maybe for me, but, you know, usually get a banana after nine or just, yeah. But for him, you know, a lot of protein bars, protein powder, bananas, uh, these electrolyte gummies that he likes as well. So, yeah, just try and keep him charged and, you know, good to go for the for the 18 holes because, you know, sometimes you're out there for, you know, five, six hours. So you, you definitely need to replenish, something. that's for sure. Shay, can we talk about green reading a little bit? You know, uh, Victor's uh, use aim point. You see him using it, uh, doing it quickly and efficiently. Uh, do you contribute? Do you help him out on green ring at all? Is he 100% on his own? And then and then related to that, are you guys using the greens book or is it all feet and feel? It's all feet and feel for him. Okay. Um, you know, he's very independent, especially with the greens. Um, yeah, no, he... He did aim point a couple of years back, and it's been the best thing for him. Yeah. It's given him the confidence, um, you know, trust in the read. You know, at first, when I when we first started, I was reading a lot of the putts because he wasn't a great green reader. And the tough part with caddies reading greens is it's all speed related. Yes. You know, yeah. you can go from a cup to two cups out, you know, whatever it is. Whereas aim point... You know, he can feel the part whether it's a one, two, three percent slope, and he's really good with his feet. So, yeah, he's been doing aim point for the last couple of years, and, you know, I stay out of the way. Once I get on that green, I'm looking for tomorrow's pin and trying to work out where we want to be, where we don't want to be, doing my prep work mm. for the following day and letting him do what he does on the green. So, yeah, it's, we've got a good little thing going at the moment, which yeah. is good. Shay, I caddied for a couple of players in the LPGA Tour years ago, and something I don't think people understand, the easiest caddy day is Sunday. The, 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 that has the least amount of work in terms of what you're doing. For sure. The, like, like, I would watch these caddies, you know, especially the first couple of events I did, walking off the, the, the dot for the next day and figuring out hole locations. You're doing so much work for the next round. Yeah. You get to Sunday, and obviously it's pressure-packed. You're trying to yeah. win or contend or move up on a leaderboard. But as a caddy, the work's kind of done. There's no pin for Monday. Yeah, it's kind of nice sitting on the back of the green and doing nothing. I wish there was a easy. seat back there so I could just sit back and chill. But, no, it's, uh, you know, obviously Sunday's, Sunday, it's, you know, it's where you – you make your moves and try to win the golf tournament, but yeah, it's it's a lot more relaxed from that standpoint, and just let him do what he does, and you know, hopefully, do like he did at the BMW and finish it off. Yeah, well, if he plays like he does at the BMW, he's going to win a lot. Uh, exactly. Marty, you're you're a guy that pays a lot of attention. I wanted to go back to snacks for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, what is your snack situation on the golf course? Because I feel like you're somebody that probably lays this out and has probably like counted calories and protein and things like that i've gone back and forth you know like lately i've done the intermittent fasting so if my tea okay. time is not before like uh, if i can go all the way to like 2 p.m so if i have a late morning tea time no i don't eat anything wow no way. and that that was a big like i was used to get nervous about that like oh, i'm gonna run out of food i need to keep fueling up but i've done that for quite a while uh but you have to get the hydration's key yeah, for I mean, sure. especially playing in in the desert, so you know, getting getting some hydration in. And what but are you I, taking down? 
Like, what are you eating on the course? What are you uh, taking down? Uh, I love macadamia nuts, macadamia nuts and olives. I wow. I do. That's an interesting I knew, combination. I knew he would have something <laughs> random. No, these little olive snack packs. Okay. So super high fat, and I feel really good. I try to like use my intuition. Like, what foods do I eat there? I feel really good. I love macadamia nuts, high fat and very salty. And olives, same thing. I when I, I eat olives, olives on the golf Kalamata course, calamari olives. I, I love calamari yeah. olives. So there's there's really good ones from Trader Joe's. Come in a little pack, right in your bag. Perfect little snack. I cannot wait until the 2024 Masters when Shay's on 13, just pounding some olives. You know, just, he's gonna be taking down a whole bag. Of get, olives. A, get a little what jar. Is he, out. What is he eating out there? That's not a pimento cheese. That's crazy. Uh, Shay, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Uh, congrats, obviously, on the recent success. Uh, you know, play well at the Ryder Cup. I guess we could say. You know, don't uh, let them do too don't, much. Don't start with that. Don't do too much there. But, uh, it you guys are gonna have you, gonna you guys are gonna have European underwear on, aren't they? Uh, listen, <laughs> I, 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 I root for a good, solid team competition. That's We're not gonna have a pig for. head on that week. That's so, exactly right. Yeah, no yeah. olives there at the, uh, the Ryder Cup. <laughs> this is the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. <laughs>